Hi, Maddie. Thanks again for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, as uh, well, just for everybody who's watching, so, so they know, you are part of the inquiry management team, which has uh, been developed from the ground up, which is a big part of why we're talking today. We want to understand your journey with that process, and then also from your perspective, what that experience is like. Um, when you are part of the team that didn't exist before, that exists now, that's doing very well. Um, so uh, just to kind of get us started today, um, specifically with your student conversations, how would you describe the journey and the process to getting from uh, not, not being a part of higher education to now being able to have a really productive, effective student conversation. Walk me through what that experience and that process has been like for you. Yeah, so I'm Maddie. Um, I work in the IMT uh, inquiry management department at, um, and yeah, so this journey has definitely been um, exciting, um, a little stressful at points, but um, also very exciting. Um, yeah, I kind of came from not a higher education background. Um, and so developing these skills has really been um, such a good process, not only for our team, but for my self-development as well. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's just been a fun journey. Um, I know it's been stressful at points, but um, I've just enjoyed working with you and working with Ryan um, on just developing skills that I'm going to use in our team and um, hopefully beyond our team as well. So, Can you um, walk me through some of those skills for you? Uh, and I know everybody's journey is different, but for you, what comes to mind when you think about the skills that um, have really impacted your ability to connect with students and have an effective conversation. And, and feel free to use the terms that we've developed along the way, like discovery or building the plan or um, what really sticks with you as, as um, some of those impactful moments or developmental areas that have, have really changed the way that you approach students and therefore impacted the student experience. Yeah, so I'd say starting with um, kind of developing my playbook was kind of the first step. Um, and I think from developing my playbook, um, just having like a list of questions and um, kind of an outline of how I'm supposed to be interacting with students um, really helped me with just the basic level. Um, and then I think from working with you guys, being able to develop like my active listening skills um, has really been um, a fun process for me, mostly because that is something that I've always wanted to develop. Um, and I think working with other people and getting feedback from other people um, about those skills and how to implement that in conversations has been really helpful. Um, and I also think just like building my confidence just as an employee um, as a person um, has just been really helpful. And I think uh, I finally got to the point that I just knew that I had to be myself in conversations and being comfortable with that. Um, and I think that's really helped me um, kind of talk to students more on a personal level and really um, connect with them more as well. So you talked about a couple things I wanna 
um, expand on a little bit more. One, you mentioned the playbook. So I want to uh, spend some time there. And then two, you mentioned active listening. And I want to um, dissect that a little a little bit because people have their own interpretation of what that means. Um, I know that that's something that you've really spent a lot of time on developing. And so I, I want to bring that down into uh, more specifically and tactically. What, what does that look like? How do you do that? How do you because I think people hear that term and again, they have their own interpretation, but when we're talking about applying it to the student conversation, what does that really look like, sound like, feel like, and, and what were some of your experiences there? So let's start with the playbook first. And um, for those people who are maybe watching this and don't know what that means, give your interpretation of the, the playbook and how you use it even today, you know, not being brand new in the role anymore, how does the playbook still have value for you in guiding your conversation? So what is it? How do you use it? And, and why does it still have value? Yeah, so the book is um, mostly an outline of kind of what we are supposed to like talk about. So like our, it kind of outlines like our introduction to the student, um, kind of talking about um, why we're calling them, introducing ourselves, um, where we're from. Um, then we kind of get into more of the discovery conversation. Um, so that's kind of asking them uh, about themselves. So asking them about um, kind of what got them interested in Concordia, what got them interested in their program um, of choice and uh, kind of their journey that led them to this decision to go back for more schooling um, is kind of that that first part of the outline. Um, and then we kind of go into uh, concerns, like any concerns that they might have about starting school, um, which kind of leads us into the cost conversation, um, just kind of talking about their different options with schooling, because um, a lot of students that we've talked to uh, haven't thought about that. So it's a really good uh, time to bring that up, um, kind of get people thinking about that. Um, and then, closing with like asking them their plans with uh, when they want to apply, when they're thinking about starting school um, and then setting those next steps with them and making sure that we have a, a nice plan with them to make sure that we're following up with them in the future. Yeah. And how has the, I like how you put that, even the playbook as an outline and you described each of the steps in, in the outline. How has that and maybe we connect that to your active listening, but how has that impacted your ability to actively listen? Where does that fit in the conversation? Um, and was the playbook just something that like you wrote it out and you used it and it was magic and it worked or what was that process like? Yeah, so um, with first writing it, like it was definitely kind of, you write it and then you kind of revise it depending on, kind of your own personality. Cause when I, when I had first started, um, I used Devin's playbook at first and Devin talks a lot differently than I talk. So yeah. we kind of revised, um, a couple of times, like more of what I felt comfortable with and more my personality, um, and kind of fitting that into conversations is unique because I think that, uh, 
you use it as an outline, especially in the beginning, like you're kind of using that as kind of your backbone um, to make sure that you're covering everything with the student. Um, but once you start to get more comfortable with the playbook, I think it's, it kind of does lead into that active listening because you're, you're asking those questions, but you're also being able to really listen to the student and um, figure out exactly what they need from those questions and asking follow-up questions um, that are kind of more off of what they're saying. Uh, so I think the playbook really helps in that way to lead into those more um, in-depth conversations with the student. So if I'm hearing you correctly, the playbook allows you to, that structure allows you to more effectively listen to the student because you have a sense of direction of where you're going in the conversation. So you don't always have to be thinking about that, right? Because that's a very normal thing that can happen. You're thinking about where am I going next versus actually listening to the student. Um, so the playbook helps with, with being able to actively listen, listen because you have a direction of where you're going. So you can, that takes the weight off your mind so you can really plug into what the student's saying. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are some of your best practices with active listening um, around like ways that you ask questions or how do you do that? Because I, I know for you specifically, that's been an area that you've really had a lot of success in developing. Uh, and an area that you've been focusing on really honing and, and, um, and, and growing in, in an authentic way, right? There's a way to, people can ask questions all day long that don't necessarily fit the student or feel authentic, but you've done a fantastic job at developing that skill in a way that feels authentic to you, but I think is also part of that confidence building that you mentioned earlier, just that natural, um, because you're able to be you in the conversation and ask questions and connect with the student, it's had an impact on your confidence in the role. And I think, as you mentioned, just confidence overall. So can you kind of connect all of that for us and then maybe provide um, a couple of examples of what that active listening turns into in conversations, like ways that you ask questions? Active listening is definitely something that I have been working on. Um, and I think, like I was saying before with the playbook, like I think that kind of gave me a basic direction of where to go with active listening. Um, so that was kind of the first foundation of like making sure that I was comfortable just with what I needed to ask. Um, and then off of that, I think with the active listening, I was able to um, really listen to the student. And I know that I've been uh, like writing down keywords when a student is talking. Um, so for example, like they'll be talking about like um, their current job that they're in. Um, or something. And so I would follow up with uh, like, what brought you into that job and why, why might you be changing your career to something else? And how, uh, how did you figure out that passion? Because um, it's so different than what you were doing before. Yeah. Um, and I think with active listening too, that um, I was able to really connect more with the student because I I think I could pick up on things that I uh, had in common with the students. 
Um, I know that I had an example where um, somebody was calling me about like, they were telling me that they had like a wedding coming up. And, you know, they were anxious about that, but also wanted to go back to school. And um, I knew that she was anxious about it. And I had already been through a wedding. So I was like, okay, let's talk about that for a while. So I think we talked for like three minutes just about her wedding. And she seemed so excited to do that. And I think, especially right now with COVID and everything too, I think people are missing that connection with people. And so even taking the time to really listen and have a conversation um, about something other than education is really helpful for people. Um, and it really connects you to that student. Um, and then they're more excited about coming to your school because they kind of have this relationship with you already, sure. um, which I think is really, really nice. And um, I think as a student myself, I think I would really value that as well, so. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. I, I appreciate you um, really kind of defining for us the, the playbook and then your journey with that. And then also, uh, going deeper into those active listening skills. What does that mean? What does that look like? I think for people who are in this role, they can absolutely relate to what you're saying about, you know, the value of having some sort of direction for the conversation so that you can actually plug in and be present with the student. Otherwise, that conversation becomes a very transactional, and you know this, becomes very transactional, and then you don't get that connection that you're talking about, right? And just human nature, I think you bring up a really good point. Humans want to connect. They want to connect and feel like you're a real person. Even though they're talking to you about school, they want to know and feel that you're a real person that, that they can be human with, right? And not just have this exchange of, of information. And I think a lot of times in this role, we, if we don't know how to navigate that connection or getting to that point, it does become just an exchange of, of information, very transactional, shorter conversations that usually end in, and we know this, right? I'll send you an email and follow up with you in a couple of weeks and it doesn't go anywhere. So- can you maybe to talk about that, like the, um, the impact that the outline, the direction, the active listening, all of that has had on the outcomes that you're having and what does it sound like to build a plan with the student who maybe is ready to start an application or isn't ready? Because I, I, not everybody's ready. So can you speak to that part of your approach and what do you do in that case? Yeah, so I think that's something that I've definitely tried to develop more because it is something that I think tripped me up before with especially students that weren't ready to um, apply right away because they're researching or whatever, which is totally acceptable. It's just um, a much different path, I think. Uh, but with students that are ready, like I think with um, setting up next steps, I normally walk them through like the application process, um, kind of how that works. Uh, then we set a deadline for when they think that they can get that application done by. Um, I don't ever set a deadline for them. I just kind of ask them like, when are you thinking that you can get this done by? So that they're kind of, um, committing to that, I, I guess, like kind of being held accountable for that date. 
Um, and then usually I set up a follow-up like call with them, um, usually on the day that they said that their deadline is, um, just in case they haven't gotten to it at that point that I can kind of answer some of their questions and walk them through the application if they need help with it. Um, so that's kind of how that process works. But uh, I think with students that aren't ready, um, I usually ask them like what, what we can do to help them further along in the process, um, what would be helpful for them, what are they looking for. Um, sometimes I'll ask students about like other schools that they're looking at, um, like what might uh, they like at another school that we might not have or they don't know that we have. Um, just kind of getting to the bottom of uh, kind of where we are in their research process. Yeah. Um, and then usually setting up a follow-up with them as well. Um, usually if they're thinking about like financial aid, um, depending on no matter where they go, um, they'll need to fill out the FAFSA. So usually I have them fill that out as a next step. Um, if they're looking at any school, just letting them know they can put in multiple school codes. So um, that's always really helpful for them because I think it kind of starts to get the ball rolling. Um, and usually at that point, a lot of other schools haven't talked with them about that. So it's kind of it's kind of nice to see that they're starting to think about that and um, hopefully higher on their list because we're telling yeah. them to do that. So, yeah. Um, well, thank you for, for sharing that too, because I think that that's a very common area that people in this role struggle with, right? How do you, in a connected way, in an authentic way, in a responsible way, progress the students forward um, based off of where they are in their process? And I know a lot of times I hear um, people in this role, you know, maybe not handle that the, the best way that we could be handling it for the students. So I think a lot of the things that you shared around, let's figure out where this person is, what's going to be best for them. And then depending on that path, help them build that path. You know, uh, you mentioned something, you know, uh, I, I work with them to set dates around these next steps based off of what they feel is realistic for them. And I think that's such a, an important piece of truly building a plan with the student because so many other things are in the way, so many other things can get in the way. And that's part of our role in kind of leading them through this process is, hey, these are the steps that need to happen. When do you think it's realistic for you to get this done? And then partnering with them and working with them in that way to, to move them forward. And then vice versa, you know, the, the student that's not ready, okay, how can I support you? What does that look like? What do you want our next steps to be? If it's not the application, what should that look like for you? And I really like how you pulled all that together in explaining um, there are ways to do that. There are ways to build a plan and progress the student that feel uh, nice, for lack of a better word, right? That, that are true to where the student is and um, also help them progress in some way forward. So... Let's switch gears uh, and talk a little bit about um, along the lines of being responsible. Um, talk about data, right? And data can a lot of times get a bad rap if it's not used responsibly in, internally. Uh, so not so much more like student facing, but like the conversations uh, that you have internally with data, what has 
that experience been like for you? Um, learning how to use data and what has the impact of data analysis been along your journey? You guys first told us we were going to do data analysis. I was terrified because I, because <laughs> it does get a bad rep, and I think a lot of people don't understand it and don't know how to use it. Um, so definitely at first I was a little scared about it. Um, and now I really enjoy it quite honestly. Um, I think it's, it's really helpful to know, um, like where I stand, I guess, um, like with my data, um, and kind of how to interpret it too. Um, and kind of being able to see like what my cycle trends are, um, and kind of be able to uh, talk about that with the team and kind of see like how our overall team is doing with our data and stuff. I think that's really useful. Um, and I think being able to analyze data too is a skill that I can take to other places and everything. And I, I think that's such a good um, skill that we have developed through this process. Um, Cause I think if you would have asked me like in May, <laughs> I really didn't know how to do it. So like, yeah. uh, I think now it's, it's really useful. And I think, um, even like projecting like our goals for like the next week of like how many apps we want to get, um, or how many apps we think we're going to get. Um, I think we've gotten a lot more comfortable, at least I have with, um, making more of an accurate production projection of that, um, about how many apps I'm expecting, um, depending on, who I'm talking to and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's been a really good process and I think it's really beneficial, so. So what best practice or advice would you have for someone who's in your role or maybe a leader of a team where um, data either isn't being used or, um, maybe isn't effectively being used? What advice would you give uh, a, a team or an individual to better incorporate data into their day-to-day? -day? Yeah, I think, um, I think part of it is just making data more of like a, a daily priority, I guess. Um, like I have a notebook that has <laughs> all my data from each day during the week in it. Um, and it, it kind of makes me almost proud to like be tracking my data because I do feel like I'm more on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really useful to be able to share that with your team as well. Um, and I think people that aren't using it maybe just don't understand how to use it in an effective way. Um, and I think just even taking like a month or a couple of weeks to like really track your own data and then getting to together with like your team and just kind of talking about different things that you see in your data um, can even help understand it a little bit better um, and seeing like what other people are seeing and stuff like that. So I, I think that's a good first step um, to being able to analyze it a little bit better, so. So tactically, what would be one or two recommendations? Would you recommend a spreadsheet? Like if someone wanted to do the most simple thing on their own, like if they say, well, I don't have, I don't have access to reports because that's common, right? And yeah. um, so if they say, well, I don't have access to any reporting, what would be the recommendation that you would have where they still have control over tracking and looking at data? Yeah, so um, like I said, so I have a spreadsheet 
um, that I keep all of my data on, uh, just in Excel, um, pretty simple, uh, mm-hmm. something I share with our team every single week. Uh, and just for my own personal tracking, I actually have like a, a notebook that I list out each day during the week. And then I put how many conversations, how many apps um, that I have on there and just kind of keep tally marks <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the week. Um, and I've also start, started to, on my own, develop a, another spreadsheet that I use. Um, so anybody that I've contacted during the week, I write their name down. Um, I write down where they came from, um, what kind of uh, stage they're in in the process, um, and kind of like where they're at and any notes that I need about them. Um, and that kind of helps me keep track of the type of contacts that I'm getting um, to be able to report that data back as well. Um, so I definitely think uh, getting data and stuff isn't needed like with a report if you're doing it um, well and even just in in like a spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's it's pretty simple. And I think especially if you're using it internally, it's definitely doable. So yeah, great ideas uh, and great suggestions. And, and you're right. I, I think a lot of times we maybe rely on other people or our leaders to kind of feed us with that information when in reality, you pretty much have all the data that you need at your fingertips because you're the one that's creating it in in real time. So there's no uh, better way to be accurate than your own assessment of what's happening and what's a real conversation and and tracking them. So thank you. So my last question for you, and this might be a tough one because I'm gonna ask you to sum up in one word uh, the the journey of creating a team from scratch, from the ground up, uh, sum that up in one word for me. Like how I would describe it? (laughs) However you wanna interpret that question, yeah. Okay, Um, the first thing that comes to mind is actually like, I don't know, like a describer of like how I guess I I feel about the process is like just having patience in the process because I think people want to get to the end goal so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's just how our society is right now. And I think um, having patience throughout this journey has been really helpful because I think at the beginning, we did just all want to be kind of one and done. (laughs) Um, And I think we wouldn't be here today, obviously, if um, we did that. So I think just having patience and uh, not giving up on yourself either, I think is a big thing. Um, I know there were times that I cried about my data because <laughs> I was just upset with my conversations and that just motivated me more to um, get better at developing my skills and get the confidence that I needed to make those connections with students. So I think patience would be the, <laughs> the word that I would describe. It Love as. it. Love it. And so true. And applies universally to so many things in our society, as you said, just human nature, that patience of just being willing to put in the work each day and, and not only put in the work, but assess the work that's being done and then make course corrections along the way. That process does take patience without a doubt. So, yeah. And I I think even getting better with uh, accepting feedback and criticism too, and not really criticism, but just this constructive criticism and, I was never good at that. Like I, I was always terrified of it and now I kind of enjoy it. Cause I'm like, okay, like I can take this and get better. And yeah. um, 
and I like proving that I can get better. So it's it's kind of a fun process, and I I wouldn't be uh, scared anymore of the feedback because I think it's really useful. So. Well, and it's cool to hear your perspective of how you just embrace that, right? Because you're right, getting feedback isn't always a comfortable process, especially when you're putting yourself out there. You know, it's vulnerable when you hear feedback that you might not want to hear or that is constructive. But, you know, that skill all in itself of learning how to take feedback, process it, and then do something with it and create an impact um, is is a whole other life skill that you've kind of developed along the way. And there's no doubt about it. You are a master at taking feedback, processing it up here, putting it on paper, and then pushing some buttons, not literally, but like pushing the right buttons and then getting a result. So um, thank you for, for being willing to share. There's no doubt that what you brought to us today and how you shared it, um, will be extremely valuable to people who are sitting, you know, in, in doing similar roles or who are new to the role or even veterans who've been in the role for years. Um, I, I really appreciate how you were able to articulate and, and package kind of what, what you've learned because it's, you know, it's a big journey, right? And yeah. you've been able to be really uh, succinct and, and package it all very well. So thank you. Yeah, thank you.